Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 222, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Gina and talk about creative investments. The only thing I've learned from him financially, he never taught me about money, but he was very frugal. And it's something I can't really let go of to this day, just being super frugal. Yeah. The only thing I, I really want to spend money towards is investments. Like I do want the truck, but I don't know. I'd rather buy another investment. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my definitely surviving a zombie apocalypse co-host, Scott Trench. It wasn't too hard, Mindy. They were all vegan zombies in search of grains, <laughs> not the other thing. So I, I'm, I was in good shape. Mindy liked that one. <laughs> I did. That was hilarious. Okay, Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to everybody's story, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or invest in 30 venture capital type things one by one over the course of years, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. You know, Scott, that's interesting that you say that. 30 venture capital programs. I think that they're not quite at 30, but they're getting pretty close. Scott and Gina, not Scott Trench, Gina and her husband, Scott, join us today to talk about creative investments. And boy, oh boy, do they have some very creative investments, some that I have never heard of, some that I didn't even know you could invest in. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun talking to Scott and Gina today. Yeah. I, I mean, just unpacking their financial position took us like, what, 25 minutes with this? And, and it's fascinating. What a unique set of circumstances, I think, something that we have never encountered here on the Bigger Pockets Money show. And I think it's really interesting. When when they go through, it's at least five to 10 different, completely different types of investments that they've made, all non-traditional. No, there's basically no stock investments going on here and no traditional real estate investments. There's syndications and things like that with this. So it's really difficult to assess their net worth. It's really difficult to assess the return profile of these investments. And so you, you're going to hear me in this episode as my biggest piece of advice um, to them, recommend the uh, developing the skill set of financial modeling, right? This is probably overkill for for many folks that are not trying to do this kind of stuff. But if you're interested, um, we will link to a free Excel course. It's from a guy called Excel is Fun. We have no affiliation with <laughs> Excel is Fun. I just took this course when I started as a financial analyst seven, eight years ago. Um, and I think it's a super... It's one of many, several ways to develop this skill set. But if you're interested in doing lots of analysis on small businesses or or different types of investments and like that, I think that would be a really a good hard skill to practice for a little bit. Um, so you're capable of budgeting and making assumptions and getting to the meat of what is going to actually drive the needle in terms of these things, valuing how much time you're going to have to spend and what the dollar per hour value of that time will be. You know, hey, if I'm going to spend 600 hours on a project and it's going to pay me $4 an hour, maybe I don't want to do that. And I should factor that into the return program profile of the venture investment that I'm considering with this. So that would be the biggest piece of advice there. And we will link to that in the show notes here at biggerpockets.com slash money show two, two, two. 
Uh, yeah. One thing I want to say before we bring in Gina and Scott is that they are investing in these alternative investments from a position of no debt and a fairly guaranteed income. So the advice that we give on these, or I'm sorry, the suggestions that we give on these Finance Fridays are always geared towards that one person or that couple and their specific set of circumstances. They have no debt. Outside of their mortgage, they have no debt. And that's a hugely powerful position to be in. So if you're thinking that some of these alternative investments sound really great, but you yourself have a little bit of debt or a lot of debt, this may not be the best choice for you at this time. So just keep in mind that they are investing from a position of no debt. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Again, like we, we got what, 10, 12, however many different types of businesses, all material investments, 20, 25,000, $50,000 invested in these things. And so because they're all alternative assets and not traditionally valued, many of which are illiquid, like investment in an apartment complex, investment in a documentary um, with these types of things, these these completely alternative as investments in a dog, right, uh, uh, as, as an investment. Like when you have those types of investments, it's Im- impossible to determine your net worth unless you have the skill set to be able to do that on a regular basis, a la financial modeling. And I want to point out that I was I was wondering about this after we recorded, if you know, we should have just, you know, maybe advised, hey, go, go begin liquidating or disbanding this portfolio and go to something more traditional like real estate or stocks. But I think that would be irresponsible advice as well, because they're not doing this irresponsibly. They they bring in much more income then they spend and have a great emergency reserve. And they're not levered against these assets. When you invest an alternative like this, you can lose everything you invest, but you're probably not gonna lose more than you invest. Like you can in in real estate, for example, if your property goes underwater and the mortgage is more than the property's value. So I don't think that they're doing anything wrong with this, but I just think it's impossible for you, me, or them (laughs) to determine if this is more effective than a traditional stock or real estate investment portfolio because we can't model out and evaluate each asset from that position of, of having the skill to do that. And so that, that would, that's, I think the, the biggest takeaway. So that's a big long intro for this, but hopefully that's, that's helpful. Uh, And before we bring in Gina and Scott, let's remind our listeners that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gina and her husband make a great income, but they've been having a little bit of trouble reining in their spending. They're in the middle of a live-in flip, which is my favorite, and looking for ways to cut expenses to enable them to save more for even more real estate investing. Gina and Scott, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you. We're big fans. So Gina and Scott are our guests and Mindy and Scott are the hosts. So this isn't going to be confusing at all. Uh, let's jump right into it. Gina and Scott, not Trench. What is your income and expenses, debts and investments? Okay. So uh, collectively, we do make a little bit over a hundred thousand a year. And that includes my salary and Scott's disability. He is in the, uh, he was in the Marine Corps for over nine years. And also that also includes our investment. And that, so that equates to about 8,300 a month. And right now, Scott just got back from a nursing COVID deployment. And so he's looking for a per diem nursing gig here. And also uh, when Scott was deployed, he did make a crazy amount of money. Um, he made more than what I made in a year and a month. So, and he was there for six and a half months. Yeah. Wow. What did you do with that? <laughs> uh, pretty much he had to bribe me to stay longer because we wanted him to only stay for like a month or two, but he had to bribe me to stay longer because he's more long-term and I'm more like, I'm a millennial. So I'm like, I want you home now, you know? <laughs> well, but... they don't pay you a lot to sit around on the beach and sip Mai Tais. That's kind yeah. of, I'm assuming you were in a slightly <laughs> more dangerous area than, you know, just sitting around. It was, yeah. yeah, on the COVID units and it's usually the understaffed and. Oh, this was the COVID unit. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want you home too. Yeah. So... I mean, thank you for doing that, but also <laughs> we want you home because you don't get COVID nearly as, as high risk as if you're actually working there when in the middle of COVID. Um, okay. Yeah. So what is the disability income? Is that included in the 8,300? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Then yeah. I will just. And does that in. continue uh, if you find full time employment with the next gig? Yes. Okay, great. Ooh, then can we pull that out and specifically note what that disability income is? Okay. It's uh, $3,500 a month. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry that you're hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I shouldn't be all excited. (laughs) But that's, that's a nice amount of money. That's just coming in every month forever. It just started. Okay. um, Recently. So it's just a combination of disabilities that occurred. Okay. So, and that's why I'm not going back full time necessarily because it's, I had to pretty much rough it. 
I mean, hurt myself, my back, especially a couple of times on that deployment. And you yeah. can only take one day off. So I, I literally had to work through everything. Okay. So, well, 3,500, I think is a significant amount of money that we should pull out of the 8,300. And, and um, that continues in perpetuity. Is it, does it, does it go up with inflation over time or how does that, uh, it does go up. Um, they'll reevaluate every year. So it can go up. Usually it goes up like one or 2% um, per year. It just depends on what Congress passes because through the VA. Okay, great. But, but that will continue for forever. Is that right? Uh, it can. So they'll do like reevaluations every five years and see if things have gotten worse, gotten better. But I'm assuming it's going to go on. Okay. Well, I, I think that that's, you know, um, very unfortunate to be in a situation where you're earning that. But at the same time, it's an important part of the financial story that we have to acknowledge with the with this discussion. Yeah, definitely. So, so you um, mentioned VA. That Do you have VA health benefits for the family forever? So it's mainly just me. So I'm 100% covered medical, uh, now dental, but I need to apply for that, um, and prescriptions. Now they do have a program where I'm, I'm still finding out about it, but they'll be covered, but to a less extent, and we'll have to pay out of pocket for some of it. Okay. That's an important part of it because I'm assuming that you have health insurance then Gina through your employer. Yeah, I do work for an e-commerce company. Um, so yeah, I have, I actually pay it for my kids. We have two boys. So, uh, my insurance is free, which is amazing. However, I do have to pay, uh, for my kids. For okay. Insurance. Okay. Uh, that is in this context, I think that's very helpful. Okay. So is there any other income besides the salary and the disability income? You said that there's... Yeah, we do have investments. So uh, right now we do have... Uh, we did we put in $25,000 for a gym investment, and that's a 12% ROI. So we used to get actually $250 a week, or a not month. a week, a, a month. We used to get $250 a month, but because of COVID, you know how everything shut down our gyms, uh, shut down. So we invested in, uh, how many gyms was it? Three? Well, three country. it was specifically three. ours was into three of them, but they have, they're trying to take over. They're mostly in California and California was one of the biggest shutdown areas in the U S. So they're acquiring gyms all along, um, Southern California. They even went into Mexico now, but, yeah. um, they're expecting the payments to start up towards the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So you're not investing in a gym, you're investing in a conglomerate, a, a business that owns many, many gyms and is expanding. Yeah. So it, we're part of this investment club and they find deals and they've been pretty successful um, with, I think, just about all of their investments up to this point. And they bring us deals and you get to decide if you want to go in or not. Yeah, that's awesome. I I would be I, I would love to be learn more about this investment club. Also, we have a gas and oil investment that we invested in. Um, this was two years ago. We took a risk and invested our whole savings, which was twenty five thousand, and we put that towards the gas and oil. And so that is collectively they're collectively drilling in Texas, 
And because of COVID, of course, things slowed down. So we haven't seen a return yet. We did get one check. However, because of COVID, it did slow things down, but they are actively drilling and finding gas and oil. So we're excited to see the return on that. And also we put in 25,000 on a documentary. Uh, we did sign an NDA, so we can't talk about too much about the deets. Um, but the film broker did shop it to Netflix and, uh, Netflix loved it so much that they said that they wanted more episodes. So that's where our investment club came back to us and said, oh, we're going to do a round of funding so we could create more episodes. So that's where we decided, oh yeah, we want to go in on this. This is exciting. You know? So we did that. We also have a 24 unit that we put 50,000 in for 18% ownership. And we also have a 52 unit that we put in 50,000 for 4% ownership. And this is with Alex Felice. I know, I know you guys know him. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knows Alex. I know. <laughs> but yeah, How we're much- so grateful for you guys to show because we met him through bigger pockets. <laughs> oh, really? Much- oh, you didn't know him before. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we love Alex. He, he's a, a great friend and an awesome guy. I, I, have we, have we had him on the money show yet, Mindy? We haven't. You would remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, been on, I've been on his podcast, but I don't think I, I don't think we've had him on. We'll have to invite him at some point. We should um, invite him. How how much collectively do you have invested in these alternative investments? Oh, um, probably it was like two thirty, two hundred thirty thousand. In everything. It? Yeah. Yeah, because we also have. Uh, Scotty, you want to talk about our memory care home that we have as well? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're a mess. You, as you can see, we have we dabbled into so many things that we're just like, you know. So. We never focused on one thing and attacked it. We kind of just went everywhere. Well, it, it seems like you guys so, are doing your fundamentals uh, <laughs> perfectly. You're, you're saving up a ton of cash. And you're deploying it one after another in the next investment with that, and now you've got a unique portfolio as well <laughs> with a lot of this stuff, which I think is, 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 is really interesting, but yeah, let's hear about this other one. Yeah. Okay. So for this memory care home, we started about two years ago here in Las Vegas. Uh, it's a residential assisted living. So just a, a six bedroom house. Uh, we can have eight residents and we kind of just jumped in. We should have did more research, but we were newer. We didn't know. I, we have a business partner that we know um, through church. We think pretty similar, me and him, Nick and I. Um, we just jumped into everything. We didn't really uh, assess the location and all this. We just wanted to, we know we wanted to be in business. We had similar interests. So we kind of just jumped in. And then with his nursing background um, and him losing his dad, we all, both of us, we lost our parents. So it was kind of like a, a, a natural instinct to want to open a care home so we could be able to care for others. We wanted to own a business that actually you're giving back to the elder community, but also making money at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. And, and so it, what I'm, 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 I'm hearing, um, lots of good intent, but, uh, what I, what sounds like maybe things are not going so well with this investment or, or are they going very well? Uh, decent. Um, we're not putting money into it anymore. Uh, those days it kind of hurt. We were constantly paying for payroll or 
we're there ourselves being the caregivers. It's a difficult job. Uh, just, it is a difficult job and it's difficult to do well. It's really easy to do poorly, which is unfortunate. I think that there's a lot of uh, issues surrounding the whole thing. So um, I think there's some opportunity to discuss that a little bit, but let's jump back into the debts and expenses really quick and and uh, let's see, income and... Well, investments. Well, yeah. Yeah. Since, since we just went through the investments, I've got um, gym ownership, gas and oil investment, documentary, 24 unit, 52 unit residential assisted living, and a very difficult time evaluating the value of these investments at any moment in time. But you can tell how much you put in. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, okay. do you want to talk about your crypto? Are we allowed to talk about crypto in this? Episode? Sure. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, and, I and I'd love to know your cash position and your and 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 your other uh, uh, investments, maybe in retirement accounts, if you have any like that. Oh yeah. We have a question about her retirement account. <laughs> we'll get to that soon. But um, so I've been into crypto since like 2017. I know you guys aren't the biggest fans of crypto, but I'm not. Watched, but Scott does. I, I watched I a little it bit of crypto go up. And I watched it crash down to then 2017 and I, I was mad at myself for not taking any profits. So this time I said to myself, you know, I'm going to end up pulling out, which I, I haven't yet. So right now I only put 21,000 in total. Um, last I checked last night, it was at 66,000. Uh, as much as I don't want to pull it out right now, I have a feeling it's going to go up again, even if it doesn't. I'm not mad. Um, I just don't want to take a tax hit on it. If you sell, you'll take a tax hit. Yes. Sell, Uncle Sam. Now, <laughs> now, Scott, do you take a tax hit? Like, does Uncle Sam take a preliminary tax hit based on the gain throughout the year? I was talking to David Daly about this. They and only, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. They, the only time you don't get taxed is when you buy. But if you trade within different cryptos, if you sell any of your assets, it's a taxable event. Okay. But they're not taking taxes like, oh, you bought it here and now it's worth this. So you have to pay taxes on this, even though you haven't sold. Okay. No. That was, yeah. Cause that was confusing when I was talking to David, yeah. maybe I misunderstood. What, what, you're, what you're thinking, Mindy, is if you get paid for something in crypto instead of dollars, like someone hands you Bitcoin instead of dollars for something, you have to pay tax on the then present value of the Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency in exchange for the goods or services that you bartered for with it. So it's much more complicated. Um, There's a conversion factor from that to the the dollar. I think that's that's maybe, maybe what you're thinking of, but you don't pay tax on gains until you realize the gains. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Um, and just yet another reason why I am not personally going to invest in crypto, but well, we well, are. Let's keep going through the assets. This is the most interesting asset list <laughs> we have come across on the Money Podcast oh, yeah. okay. in all this time. Okay. So, so for let's keep, our yeah. memory care home, um, we average about 20000 in income. Our overhead is around 9000 and our bills are 5000 we do have a savings that includes $15,000, um, but we are saving up because we do want to 
extend because right now we're only licensed for eight residents. So in order for us in Nevada, we could be up to 10 residents. So we're going to save and extend out and do renovations for and, and add additional two rooms. So you're saying that there's 15,000 savings in that business. Yeah. In the yes. business account. Okay. okay. Yeah. And um, there's another. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This... <laughs> We're going to show. This is um, <laughs> our puppy. That's, oh, my daughter's going to love that. All right. Yeah. So he's a fluffy Frenchie and they're a rare breed. And Scotty, do you want to tell them how much you spent on that dog? Um, <laughs> it was 20,000. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was I I I've said that there's an investment case here as well. Yeah. So we our intention was to use him as a stud service. And so his stud service fee can be anywhere when you first start out, it could start at fifteen hundred all the way up to thousand. three thousand. We would start out to, so we would start out at three thousand and then it could go all the way up to fifteen thousand. And that just depends on the DNA match with him and the female. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> wow. Let's keep rolling. What, what yeah. else? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so crazy and random, but yeah, that's one of the investments that uh, we love Frenchies. We have two Frenchies. So like we're like Frenchie freaks. So it's like naturally we just wanted to get into that business. <laughs> have you guys listened to the episode? Who did we have, Mindy, that talked about the alternative investment list? Oh, that was Kirk, uh, Kirk Chisholm. And that yeah, was Kirk on... So you guys are, are going something. through his entire list here. This is phenomenal. <laughs> he, he talked is about that, good that or bad? have dogs or horses, um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, and you know, uh, do what you're doing with this. Yeah. So. That was episode oh. 144. Okay. Well, definitely. <laughs> we'll I don't know if I've heard it. of that one, but. <laughs> well, but let, yeah, let's keep rolling. So we got, we got the, we got the crypto, we got the dog, we got the, yeah. we, we finished out the assisted living business. Yeah. So that is pretty much what we have as uh, for investments. And now for liquid, um, we have 40,000 liquids and that includes. <gasps> $2,500 savings, and we are saving up for Haiti water wells. So a few years ago, Scotty and I went to Haiti, and we went to an orphanage that had 60 kids, and we just felt led and drawn to go back. So we're going to save up for a water well, and this is where it's about $10,000 to build out a water well. And for them, they could, once they build out the water well at the orphanage, they could sell the water locally. So it's a business for them. So that's our main goal is to be able to build that business for them. Um, so it could keep income coming in. And then also our emergency fund is about 20,000. We do have a fund for Scott's truck because he does want to get a truck really bad. I can wait. <laughs> but in that, in that fund, it's 12,500. We do have a family trip fund and that's 2,500 in there. And then we also have this is one of our biggest goals as well is to write a children's book course on finances. So we have 2,500 in that account and that's going to pay for illustrations. So, yeah. You've All got right. two kids. I would take that 2,500 <laughs> and put it in another fund and say, Hey guys, start drawing. 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Do you guys have any traditional retirement accounts like Roth or 401k? Okay. So I did have a 401k, but um, at the time during the pandemic, um, I took out all of the 21,000 that I had in there and took the 10% penalty. Um, and that was to fund our 52 unit. <laughs> so that was one of our questions was, should I pay back the... 21,000 since we have 40,000 liquid, or should we uh, just move on and use it or just, yeah. Which direction to go? Which direction to go? I, I don't know the answer to that quite yet, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that in mind um, uh, as we get going, as we get rolling with all this. So, so yeah. anything else, any other businesses oh. that you haven't funded, but you've started or, or, oh, or yeah. things going on like that? I forgot. Um, so before the pandemic, we actually, um, our kids, we put our kids into a 3d printing class and we invested in a 3d printer, a really expensive one. They did generate around $700 for that year <laughs> and they were making 3d printed items for my friends, family and their friends. And they would hustle their our boys are 10 and 12 years old, so they have a little bit of their entrepreneurial uh, from us, I guess you can say. We try to push <laughs> them little. in that direction. <laughs> yeah, we try to push them in that direction. So every year I'm we ask them. I'm not entrepreneurial. <laughs> every year we ask them what they want to be. So it changes every year. As it should. You don't need to know when you're 10 what you want to do. But yeah. <laughs> starting to make money is really awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Let's, let's keep, let's, um, do, have we, have we, do we, do we have any more on, on the, uh, on the list of investments or businesses? I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so we've it. Got our okay. Cash, our investments, <laughs> 401ks, Roth IRAs. There we go. Yeah. I, I have absolutely no idea how to peg your net worth. So, uh, uh I, know. Well, I don't given, either. Given, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask you guys, but I, there, I couldn't figure it out. There's just too much going on. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you uh, it, you're gonna have a, a crazy time attempting to value the long list of assets you have here with this. Let, let's call it um, 500k, uh, making that up uh, in, in assets here outside of the home and all that kind of stuff. Um, you guys have a house as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing a live and flip, and um, because of Scotty being able to go on that nurse deployment, uh, we were able to save and hire that out, which is amazing because we were going to attempt to do most of the work ourselves, which would have took three years. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to doing all that by myself. Uh, it'll take three years, but you got to live there for at least two anyway. So, yeah. but yeah, living in a construction zone can be less than ideal. Yeah. Okay. So in addition to all of this, you're doing a, a flip. Um, yeah. <laughs> love, oh, love good. It. I wouldn't want you to be bored. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. okay. And, and, and what do you expect? Uh, I, yeah. Well, how much do you think it's will be worth when it's completed, and how much will you have bought it for and put in? We bought the house for two eighty, two hundred eighty thousand. We did put in around fifty thousand of renovations. There is comps in the area that's going for three seventy five ish. Um, but that's like not even fully renovated. The way we renovated it was uh, we kind of spent more because we 
um, we're kind of bougie, you know, and we, <laughs> and because of how the market is, we don't want to buy right now. So we decided to live in it for a few more years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so we, we, you, you guys think that 375 is a really conservative estimate for the after repair value for the property since it's, it's really nice. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Great. We have a gold sink and everything. <laughs> um, and what, let's go through your, so that, that's the last asset then, I guess. Um, yeah. this. so what are your debts? Uh, well, we have no debt actually. Just the mortgage, just our mortgage. Um, so can we tell just a little bit of a backstory about me and Scott? Like of course. Yeah, before. Okay. So with me, I came from a single parent home. Uh, my mom raised me and my two boys or me, my brothers. mom raised me, my two brothers, and, uh, we were on welfare food stamps, section eight. And so I didn't come from a financial educated background, you know, and also we came from similar backgrounds. Uh, with mine, my mother passed when I was four. And so it was just my dad raising myself and my two brothers, but he was always working. He was retired Navy and then went to the post office. So the only thing I've learned from him financially, he never taught me about money, but he was very frugal. And it's something I can't really let go of to this day, just being super frugal. Yeah. The only thing I, I really want to spend money towards is investments. Like I do want the truck, but I don't know. I'd rather buy another investment. He knows delayed satisfaction more than anybody that I know. So I'm, I'm the spender of the relationship and he's the saver. And so both of us together, we were like, always like bickering. <laughs> well, well so, something's going really right in your financial position. <laughs> if you have all these assets and, and no debt outside of the mortgage with all this yeah. kind of stuff, well, it, it, a, a really solid emergency reserve, all your fundamentals are, are in place. Um, with this, you just have, you have a unique investing approach. I don't even know if it's bad. I, 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 I probably it, it, like I'm really interested to dive into that in a second yeah. here. Well, also I wanted to do, to share that um, we did so we did get married after knowing each other for two months, and we've been married for 16 years now. Um, when we first got married, we slept on an air mattress for four months, and we got used furniture for a hundred dollars that furnished our whole apartment. Uh, we were pretty much broke. He was in the Marine Corps. I was working odd in jobs. And then um, we got into $104,000 in debt. And that included two car payments, my school loan, which is $60,000. I went to school for my MBA and also television production. Um, and we used the Dave Ramsey method to get out of debt. And that took us four years. So yeah, that's where we're at right now. Okay. Well, I think it's fantastic that you've paid off this debt. <laughs> you've got a great income and from where your backgrounds started from, it's completely understandable and frankly, normal to ha have this, to have gone through a period of collecting debt. And then frankly, a lot of people don't pay it off. So you're already ahead of the game. I want to look at your expenses because I think you can get those down. Las Vegas isn't that expensive. Yeah. You have a, what's your mortgage payment? 
our mortgage is a little bit over 1450. Okay. So, um, we did use a VA loan on that. And so our, <laughs> our bills, uh, in, is around 5,600 a month and that includes tithing and that's 10%. So it varies. Um, our electric is 200. Our gas is 50. Our water bill is 50. And then Geico or for our car insurance is 600 every six months. But we do pay that in a one lump sum fee so we could save the five the $5 service fee a month. So it's only, you're only saving $30, but that's like a little hack that we do. And then for T-Mobile, we have four lines for all four of us and we pay 102. That's another military hack that we have. Uh, just ask for the military discount. And then our internet's 112. We have property insurance, which is $5.66. And then we work out at a bougie gym, which is Lifetime Fitness. <laughs> and we only pay $55 a month for the family. And that's another military hack. And normally it's 150 per person a month. Yes, I so know. We save a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then trash and sewer, if we break it down, because that's every quarter, it's about $10 a month. And then our pool, we have to clean our pools. Uh, we get a pool cleaner that's 135 And then YouTube premium, because he likes to listen to all his motivational stuff, all your guys' podcasts. So uh that's $22.99. We have True Canyon, which is really expensive. It's $322. And that includes uh, insurance for both of our Frenchies. And our car gas is $100 a month. I do work from home. So that saves us a lot of money. And groceries is probably one of our biggest expenses besides our mortgage because it's $1,200 a month. It's because I have two boys and they eat more than I do. So... <laughs> Yeah. And then restaurants, we budget around two fifty a month. So we eat out once a week as a family. And then we have our Amazon miscellaneous <laughs> budget, which is 400 a month. So it comes out to an average around 5,600 a month that we spend. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, 
we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. My first reaction is that there's there maybe there's a little bit on the groceries, restaurants, and miscellaneous category to, to cut, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton here. It's, and it seems like a lot of your expenses that are, are there are conscious choices or like, you know, things that are unique to your situation. Like if you're going to, you know, invest $20,000 in a dog, then you need to have the insurance on that given yeah. what you described there. So, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense, uh, uh, with, with those types of things. So I, I don't know, Mindy, what do you, what is your reaction? My reaction is those boys are not going to stop eating. They're going to yeah. get even bigger. They're only 10 and 12 right now. They're going to get mm-hmm. even bigger and they're going to start consuming. I have two girls and they eat me out of house and home. So um, I would I would want you to look at the grocery budget, but I mean, you might be able to squeeze $400 out of that um, by doing some meal planning and shopping around the sales. We had Aaron Chase from $5 Dinners on episode three to talk about how to reduce your grocery budget. So definitely throw that back on the podcast playlist and listen to that again. Um, Cause there are some tips and it's really easy to go to the grocery store and, Oh, this looks interesting. And Oh, this looks good. And no, make a, make a list and, you know, shop from the list. And also, you know, what are some big bulky items that the boys can eat? Like broccoli will fill them up and, you know, throw some protein at them and, Um, But yeah, I don't see a ton of things to remove unless you wanted to go bare bones. But I think with your income, you don't really need to. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first read your application, I thought, oh, well, this is going to be real easy. Let's just cut your expenses. But I think that my recommendations would be back in the investment categories. Um, Scott, what do you think about the investments? well, well, I think I think here's and we we had we talked about this on a on a recent episode. Um, actually, it will be released after we're recording this, but before we release this this episode. But um, <laughs> with another couple, and they, what I think I think what I'm struggling with here is to to become wealthy. You know, you need to do two things that are seemingly in conflict with one another. I think one is formulaically build wealth save this much and invest according to a formula that will get you from X to Y over a a set period of time with those types of things. And seize opportunity um, that is unique to your circumstance in a creative and proactive way. And what I see from your situation is a complete dive down the ladder of those two things, that creative uh, opportunistic front. And what I think you've you've created here is a, a financial position that is strong, you are clearly bringing in more money than you spend on a regular basis, month after month after month after month, with no question about that continuing. But all of your investments are in things that are really highly illiquid, that you don't have control over. You can't mm-hmm. decide to sell 
or realize por uh, portions of your investment at any time, right? I mean, your 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 investments are in a dog. You're they're in a, <laughs> a an apartment complex that somebody else is operating and makes all of the the decisions around capital, you know, distributions and allocations with it. Mm -hmm. um, in the gym, you don't have dis those decision making. I would imagine with with the way mm -hmm. that that's structured, with the um, the 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 uh, uh, retirement. But what's what's the word? The assisted living facility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that one, you do have control over that one, but that sounds like it can be a job in and of itself sometimes rather than a true kind of more, more of an investment property with that. Um, same thing with the house. And so that I think is where my instinct comes to, to comes, comes down to, I love it. Keep doing that stuff, but maybe bring a, consider bringing in a formulaic approach to investing in something that is maybe not more traditional, but more you have more control over. It could be real estate. It could be stocks. It could be, you know, uh, 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 one a doubling down in one of these businesses and automating it or something like that. But if you can get into that situation, I think you'll find you have a lot more flexibility because you're you're at this point where you're like, you could be worth between five hundred and one and a half million dollars <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this, right? I, I don't know <laughs> with that, but I think I think you'll feel a lot better if you can say, "Hey, my passive income that I can controllably predict is above that that fifty six hundred mark on average." You know, that seems like a good moving target from your formula formulaic approach. And then a couple of these ventures may pay off big and accelerate you over that that tipping point or produce that passive cash flow. But that's where my instinct comes back to is, is thinking like, Hey, let's, let's continue doing a lot of the cool creative stuff you're doing, but maybe also layer in, pull back a little bit and layer in some sort of formula that can, that can move you towards something more predictable, I guess, um, with some of this stuff. Cause finances, your finances are very exciting. And, and I think, um, that might not be that, that might, it, I, I don't know. Is that, is that something that you're trying to, to, to move towards? Is that, and that's what I wanted to do. That's why I was thinking real estate more so over other things. But I want to ask you guys what you thought about like, you know, everybody says, oh, I want to get started, but they never get started. And then I'm, my biggest thing now is like, I'm worried about inflation and all this. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I do want to mention that the 24 unit is currently for sale. And since we did put in 50 grand, we will make a little bit um, if we what, I'm guessing much? around 75,000. So if everything goes well, we will have another 75,000 liquid. So that's another thing we want to ask you guys. Uh, Scott does want to get into Airbnb. So, Short-term rentals. And we don't know if we should. I want to stick in Vegas just because we live here and it just be easier. But then I know he wants to go to another market. The only thing with Vegas is it's very restrictive. It's one of the heaviest restrictive short-term rental markets in the U.S. because we do have the Strip and... The casinos and all that. Oh, okay. I was going to say yeah. that's a huge destination. But yeah, <laughs> this, the hotels is where everybody wants to stay and they want to exercise their lobby muscle. Okay. <laughs> so what I am seeing, what what Scott, the guest said was, we never focused on one thing. And I think that that could be a bit of a hindrance. You've got all these really exciting investments and it's super cool to invest in a documentary and you have an NDA and we can't discuss what it is about, but what is that 
going to get you. I don't see that as a ton of upside unless it's like, you know, the Game of Thrones documentary or, you know, like like something really pop culture, you know, that would be very popular. But those are really easy to have Netflix say, you know what, never mind. And then what what happens to your investment? So that one I think is, I would classify that as risky or speculative. And I personally don't like risky and speculative. I think that real estate is risky and speculative. It's definitely as risky and speculative as I want to go. I shouldn't say I think it's risky and speculative. I I think it's a great investment, but that is as risky and speculative as I want to go. So I don't really like the documentary investment personally. And I don't know if there's any way for you to get out of it. No. I no. don't know that I, if I was in your position, I wouldn't put any more money into it. Oh, yeah. And I would hope that whatever happens, happens well. I wish you luck. But I I would I would stop looking at these creative and, and exciting investments and more focus on the boring ones. Um, I, I, I just want to, I want to like give a slight dis- disagreement to that with this. That's fine. <laughs> you can disagree how with long, me even though you're wrong. How long have <laughs> you been doing this? How many years, how many years have contributed to the, the, the current situation with this? Which is just the investing in the random things. Yeah. Yeah. The, the shotgun style. I would <laughs> imagine, uh, probably what, like three years. Yeah. Three years now. Have, have you learned a lot? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say, well, because we do go to the investment club, they have once a month meetings. So we go and we we're like the youngest ones there <laughs> and there's about 50 people that go. So we're around like older people who are much more into the game. So we are learning from them. So that's what another hack that we do is hang out with older people that know what they're doing. And then you learn from them. It, it's definitely a big learning curve because when the first when I first went there, I didn't understand anything they were saying, and I we didn't invest for a good I don't know before we jumped into the gyms the first one. Here's here's what your story is going to be if you keep doing this. You're gonna ha- you're gonna get hosed and flushed on a couple of these investments. You're mm-hmm. gonna have unpredictable payouts at random future dates in large amounts of money on a couple of them. Most you know hopefully with that, and you're gonna get an education in a unique type of investing here which could be fun and exciting for um, a, a lifetime with this. You have no ability to plan around when you will achieve certain financial hurdles with this type of approach to investing, but you could end up very wealthy over a 10-year period with very surprising puts and takes across the portfolio with these kinds of things. So if you're okay with that, I don't. You're not, it doesn't look irresponsible to me. I mean, you, you have all these different investments, you're not levered against very many of them in any unsustainable way. All right. The one, the things you're levered against are real estate investments, right? It sounds like the real, real estate in the assisted living uh, place and your primary with that, right? Mm-hmm. You bring in much more income than you spend. Um, I just, I, I just think you're, what I imagine your, your sense of your feeling about this is like, what, what, what do I have here? I have a, a random collection of investments Am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? No one else is doing this. What am I? Am I crazy? I, I guess that's what that would that would maybe that's what's going through your head 
to a certain extent. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. But I, I read it as like, hey, you're going you're gonna to have that outcome most likely. And even if you get flushed on all of the investments, which is very unlikely, it seems like, you're still in a strong financial position because you save more than you, than you, you bring in. And you've got um, 80, you know, 65% of your expenses covered by the disability, which you think will continue for a long time. Um, and you have flexible and creative options for work, including in your business and with high dollar per hour opportunities that come up, Scott. And Gina, you sounds like you have stable employment that it brings in plenty for the, for the, to, to cover things, even if that doesn't come, uh, 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 even if Scott temporarily has no opportunity in the short run, that's that's super good. And he, he then has a base salary job that you can go after, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah. I think it's an interesting and creative situation. And, I, and frankly, I have no idea how to proceed uh, from here. I think it's going to be about what you want, right? If you want a stable, formulaic approach to FI, you're going to have to stop contributing to more of these investments. And as some of them cash out, like the uh, apartment complex, begin diverting that to a formula, um, mm-hmm. that may or may not go faster. But you are also, we have to acknowledge getting an education that is going to be very unique in these types of investments through your investment club. And maybe continuing that is unpredictably going to generate some sort of return. So I, 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 I'm having trouble knowing what to make of this. Mindy, you have your hand raised. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think what is giving me the heebie-jeebies about these investments is there isn't any traditional retirement funds in here. You took the money out of your 401k. I didn't hear mm-hmm. you say anything about a Roth IRA or anything in the stock market. And that is where a lot of my investments are. We have divested of some of our real estate just because this market is so hot. It was great to sell, take advantage of what we thought was the top and now isn't even close to the top um, and put that money into the stock market where it continues to grow because the stock market is also on a tear. Um, Do you have any interest in the stock market? I guess I should ask that because it you know, that's what I would do, but I'm not you. Um, There's just, there's a lot of different things. You called it the shotgun approach, which is really quite accurate here. And I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying not to sound condescending. I'm not meaning to be, but I think a little bit of focus would help a lot. It sounds like you like real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, The, how much money is in the, the gyms again? Uh, all most of those investments uh, were twenty five thousand to get in each. Okay, mm-hmm. each. So you have twenty five thousand and three gyms, so that's seventy five thousand. Well, that that particular gym deal was for those three. So but... three for twenty five thousand. So you're yes. getting two fifty a month, or you were, and okay. Yeah. So that is, I didn't write down how much was initially in there for that one. So that. Um, like we've got a gym, we've got oil and gas, we've got a documentary, some resident, some real estate, the residential assisting livid. I want to talk about whatever that is. Um, it's your crypto. most meaningful asset. Is, it, it sounds like. Yeah, we do own the house, so we put in seventy thousand dollars in that. Um, that included the startup funds and also furnishing the house, uh, buying the beds. We got. Uh, medical beds for our residents and also just to furnish it fully, make it comfortable for a house. So that was the 70,000 encompassed all of that. Um, Crypto, I know nothing about. 
the dog, I don't really know anything about. Um, how old is the dog now and how old does it have to be before it can start making money? He's six months old now and he could start, he's our moneymaker at 11 months old. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and is there an easy way to connect it, to get him started working? <laughs> Cause we go on these Facebook groups and they have like, they're called like fluffy French bulldog groups or whatever they call them. But people just post stuff and people reply if they're interested or so there's no. a way to connect into a, a group that would be interested in the services that he provides. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, it's a huge demand. Oh, there's a lot of interest <laughs> when we see people post. You'll see just messages saying interested DM or and does that put. does that cost you any money? Like are you flying someplace or traveling or do they come to you? Uh we would go through the vet. And he'd do the okay. the polling. <laughs> he would do all the stuff. Okay, yeah. great. We, we can ship it. Oh, well, there you go. That's even better. Um, okay. <laughs> so it's not an in-person want? transaction. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay, well, that... <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you guys want from this? Maybe that's like the thing. I was like, what's the what's the goal that you're trying to move towards? Uh, the goal is. Are you talking about for the French Bulldog? No, no. Or for, for, for your overall for, for the overall investments. The overall for me is that I want to just to be able to inspire, travel with purpose, create a legacy for my boys, and write out and finish that children's finance book course as a family. So it's something that could also be passive income as well. And just, yeah. I mean, I love where I work. I love my team. So I will stick out with my W-2 job for a while because it's amazing. You know, I, I feel really grateful. Scott, what do you, what do you want? Okay. So I just wanted to, I want to be able to work from home, which Technically, I can't. I'm still a nurse after all, but I have the opportunity to continue school for free to get a nurse practitioner degree. The only thing, my, my long-term goal, even though I would, there's a certain uh, subspecialty in that field that I would love to do, I don't want to be stuck in the mindset of, oh, I have to work for money. I want to be able to like manage investments, properties, and just more freedom so we can travel around and spend family time, things like that. Okay. So, so, so let me, let me kind of try to boil that, what I heard there into a, a financial goal here. So uh, Gina, it sounds like you just want more, a little bit more free time to work on some of these, these side projects and, and, and travel and, and those kinds of things. And Scott, you want the option to not have to work uh, soon, sooner rather than later, it sounds like. Yes. With this. And I, I don't think you're that far away from that reality with this kind of stuff. And I think the first and most important thing I would look at from a strategic level is your biggest asset by far is your disability. Yes. That. That, that is a million dollar perhaps plus asset um, if you think that is likely to continue. Um, unfortunately, that is that is your 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 biggest asset with that, and so that sixty five percent of your spending with that, <laughs> that all you need after that is two thousand more in passive income, and you cover your expenses. 
right? For the most part, or maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. And you're done, right? And you may or may not have that with your current portfolio across these, these things. Um, but you can't, you have no way of telling that based <laughs> on what you've, what you've invested in with that. And I just think you've done something a little tiny bit out of order if you're going for the optimal approach here, which is you have done, you've gotten this interesting and unique investment profile before you've gotten that foundational level of stable, predictable, passive cash flow. And I think that there's no reason to like go and, and blow up what your, your formula with these types of things and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you can find a way to stably generate that additional $2,000 a month and work towards that for a year or two and slowly perhaps redeploy the the winnings that you get or the 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 returns that you get from some of these things like the apartment complex into that along with your savings rate over a one two to three year period you'll cross that finish line and then you can begin deploying everything you want into this type of stuff probably guilt and you know like not guilt free, but like without having to worry that you've got a unique portfolio with that, because the whole game is to get the other side of the the rat race with this and cross that finance that that passive income bridge, you know, and get, get over that point where you spend you're bringing in more passive income than your lifestyle costs, and then all of this stuff makes perfect sense uh, from from that position. So I think that would be how I would zoom out and think about your, the position. Is I don't think you're doing anything wrong with this. I just think that you were you're not going to feel free the way that you could if you just, you know, put the head down for one, probably not that long, one, two, three years and think about how to creatively get that last 2000 a month, very predictably. And then, then you're good to go. All these things, you could make it, you could make it big on the, on the Netflix investment. Crypto could do great. You, you could do great on the, uh, on these apartment complexes. You know, you, you've got to stabilize and automate your, your assisted living place with those types of things. But I don't think you're very far away if you kind of just focus in and say, I'm going to make sure that I get a couple of core assets over that threshold. And then it becomes about this diversification and you're building a venture capital uh, business here in effect with this bit by bit by bit. I think that just the time for time and place for that is after you've crossed the, the cash flow uh, threshold with that would be that would be my high level 30,000 foot view advice. And perhaps a good starting point to doing that would be doing the dirty work of attempting to value your assets one by one, predict the timing of those returns. If it's a, if it's in a documentary, just dismiss it from your net worth, right? You can watch it and, and root for it with those types of things, but you have absolutely no control over whether mm -hmm. Netflix buys that or whatever. You may get a ton back. It may be a great investment, but I wouldn't think about it as part of your financial position in the short run here. And I might do that the same thing with a couple of these other um, investments, like the dog. You know, with, with it, with, um, with that, I, I can't imagine selling the family dog, even if, even if, uh, yeah, with, with, with some of those things. But, but that that would. So I would, I would exclude a bunch of them to get a really conservative picture. But one by one, value those assets, figure out the timing of those cash flows and that kind of stuff. And I, and I think. From there, think about cutting a couple of them and doubling down and saying, hey, if I just put my head, I, I, I don't want to do it. But you know, if I finish out this residential assisted living, which is your most meaningful asset and where I, I would suspect this exercise would lead and point first is that's you've got the most control and the most value locked up in that residential assisted living property. 
whatever completing that play looks like. So you don't have to go in and work at it <laughs> um, on a regular basis. And it's generating enough income is where my gut would tell me in this entire, this long list is the place to start looking and then keep marching down the list with it, with that. But, but if you can get $2,000 a month in passive cash flow, you're done um, with yeah. that. And the rest of, of your career and life can be play money, having more fun with, <laughs> with, with what you're doing, what you like, with what you like to do and building out this, this venture, this alternative investment portfolio. And you'll probably win, win great with it. If you keep your, your fundamentals are fine. You, you, you obviously analyze these deals. You look at a lot of them and you pounce when opportunity and cash coincide. It, it, it seems to me. I'm I'm getting growing on a rant, rant here. I probably said many things that weren't true. <laughs> How is that? Is that helpful? Yeah. Yes. Um, there's one thing though with our uh, memory care home is that we haven't paid ourselves yet from it. So we've been in it for about three, two years. Two years. And um, so all of that, we're just putting into a savings fund for the business. So that's another thing too, is that eventually we do want to start paying ourselves, but we haven't yet just because our overhead cost is pretty high. And also things come up, things break. And so we have to get that fixed. Um, so we're, that's one of our main goals. We do before though, Scott was there a lot working. He would sleep there, be a caregiver, then go to his nursing job during the day. You know, so we were all tired. <laughs> how do you how do you guys feel about your finan your 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 skills with respect to financial modeling? What do you mm, not great? <laughs> I I think that would be a really valuable skill to invest in developing. You can take a YouTube course or something free on it. But if you can begin building out basic financial modeling skills, mm -hmm. um, you know, or maybe maybe think maybe there's someone in your investment club will will be will be good with that. I think that will really help you. Because I imagine, you know, when, when you talk about that rental, that assisted living property, which which we can, I think we can get into because that's your biggest investment. You've mm -hmm. invested seventy five k. It sounds like you've poured more money into that over time. You 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 had to buy the property. You've invested money. You've spent the night there. You've invested large. Your, your time is valuable, so you've invested mm -hmm. probably hundreds of hours or thousands yeah. of hours. A lot of hours <laughs> into that. So so maybe your investment in there is two hundred thousand dollars or $250,000 with that. Right. And what I'm hearing is things break with that kind of stuff. And here's the income and expenses, a good budget, a good financial model for these businesses will include things like here's how much the, the salary and payroll and bonuses and, and benefits will be per employee. And here's my CapEx office supplies, repair mm -hmm. budget, those types of things in it, just like you would for a rental property with those types of things. And I think that a good, a, a set of if you can develop and hone your financial modeling skills, it will give you a much clearer picture into the prospects of this business over the next couple of years and what you need to do there. Because I, I suspect you're just missing things in your forecast because you're doing it back of the napkin that are like, hey, the roof's going to need to get replaced on this business or mm -hmm. you know, this, the, 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 the beds are going to need to be replaced every couple, every, every couple of months because they're going to get more. You, I, don't, I'm, I have no idea what the CapEx expenses are in this business. But I imagine some of those things are getting missed because there perhaps is not a good budgeting architecture in there. And if you're interested in doing this type of stuff over a long career, I suspect that being able to look at financial models and immediately know when there's crap in there will be very advantageous to you as you make more investments in things like gyms and, and those types of things. So I think that would be a skill that I'm noticing is, is 
it might 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 dramatically change your ROI or your decision making on many of these things over time. Yeah, and I think that's one reason too why we do want to extend out and renovate the memory care home and add two rooms is so we could get to the cap of having 10 residents because right now we're only licensed for eight. So if we get to 10, then that means more income. So that's our main goal as well. It, it would help out a lot if we had that 10. Um, even for like the location wasn't ideal. I mean, it's like a... Old Summerlin area. The people Vegas. that live there, they've owned the houses since 1980. Most of them are original owners. But if I were to do it over, I'd probably go in a little bit higher scale neighborhood than that. And you could demand more income from the residents. What, what do you expect to generate from this business over the next year? Um, after everything, we probably roughly like 5,000, maybe uh, <laughs> five to 10,000 a year. Net. Yes. And that's without you working in it. That's with you hiring everything out. So we, we have a good manager she's now amazing. and she's, taking a lot of responsibilities off our plates. We still do the financial stuff and planning and, but I don't have to, we don't have to go in anymore. Well, it's been a while since we went yeah. in. What, what's, and that's, that's after you move the, the property to the full capacity, the 10, the 10 units. Oh, after it would. Oh, after. More. Oh, after. Like oh yeah. I'm, I'd imagine about, Anywhere from twenty to forty thousand, just depending on uh, if we can stay full and. But we do pretty good with. How, how much is the pro, how much would it be worth just to sell everything today? If you sold that entire business today, how much would you you realize? Um, well, right now per bed it goes for fifteen thousand. So if so, since we're licensed for eight, what is that? Fifteen. I'm not good with math, so. <laughs> 30, 60, what, 90? Yeah. So you'd sell it for, you could sell it for 90,000. That's just the business. And then the house, uh, we bought it for 275 and the house is worth around 320, 325. So the thing with the house is I don't think it'd go for the regular price because of, I mean, as, as a comps in the area, because it does have like a, all the things we had to do to set up for the home, like a fire sprinkler system, fire system, all these things add up. Handicapped. Uh, all our bathrooms are handicap accessible. So yeah. Based on what I just heard, let, let's say that let's say you sell it for three hundred, and you and you would collect uh, thirty thousand from the sale, right uh, after the mortgage, and then you have another ninety thousand for the business. That's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Right now, you're you would be selling that business. You, you collect 120,000 or the after-tax amount instead of collecting the five to 10,000 in profit from that, which sounds like, and it sounds like a lot of your time is going towards collecting that five to 10,000. To me, that's a sell sign for this business in its current state. If the future state of the business is different then and dramatically different, then that says I got some work to do to transform the business to that. Just because that's a five or, or, or 10% or five to 10% or less ROI in a business that is is probably not growing a ton with with a lot of these things with that right and it's a and it's a private business and it's doing a lot of a lot of those it's it's not generating a huge cash and cash return relative to its value with it and it's not likely to appreciate unless you perform a lot of activity 
right with it. So if you complete the activity, you have 10 units, you're making 40 grand a year. How much is that business worth? Um, another 30,000. Yeah, I would say, yeah. 100, $130,000. So $130,000 business spitting out $40,000 a year in cash is a great business. $130,000 business spitting out 20,000 is in that middle zone, I think, with, with, with a lot of this kind of stuff, right? Because you could take that, that money and buy two, three Airbnbs, for example, and potentially make a different ROI on that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, again, where that skill of financial modeling, that hard skill, being able to put this into a spreadsheet and say, best case scenario, this happens, best case scenario, this happens, you know, I think we'll, you'll have to play around and, and make some tax moves. I, I think that that will, that will result in you making moves. I don't know with, with particular, this particular business, but I think it will result in you making moves that are hard and big and getting out of and into investments, but it might clean up your position dramatically when you're like, oh, I'm making this much per hour in this business and I'm making this much per hour in this business right? You know, these, I have this option here and I don't have it here. My best possible state for this one is this. That doesn't make any sense. I have to completely change up my formula with that. But I think that's, that's where I'm kind of sensing opportunity lies with, with a lot of this stuff. And I think that you're, you, you have to start with that business because that's where you've invested mm -hmm. the most and have the, the most value. Don't worry about what you've put in. That's called sunk cost, right? That's, yeah. that's what, what is it worth today? If I'm looking at this as an obje objective outsider, where is it going to go? And is that good value or should I sell and restart? And if the worst case scenario is you get out of this for 100K and then you restart in the higher end one that you just said, because you know that now and that's what the market is going, maybe that's the start of a huge business for you that works really well. And this is not wasted. It's a huge, it's just an educational experience with it. But exactly. again, I think that that's where I would... I would begin my search with by modeling out every one of your assets in detail, starting with the biggest and most important and the ones you have most control over and going down the list, re thinking through what are their prospects today? Where are they going to go in the future? How, you know, am I budgeting correctly? Because, you know, if you're going <laughs> to own assets and be a venture investor, you will want your uh, CEOs of your businesses to as they will all grow, many of them will grow into big businesses to present you with an annual budget that you will beat up and believe or not. Um, I know this <laughs> from personal experience. Um, <laughs> so, but it, okay. that, would be, that would be my biggest piece of advice for this. Not that you should change up fundamentally what you're doing with this, just that that's a tool that I think is necessary if you're going to go down this approach or it would be immensely helpful to you. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Scott said. When you started talking about the residential assisted living and that Scott, the guest, was working in there, it started to, the numbers started to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit less exciting. So I love the finance. What did you call that, Scott? Financial modeling. Can you find a YouTube that video that too, we can? Yeah, I, I took one with a guy named Excel is Fun or the channel is Excel is Fun. It was very nerdy. I took it a few years ago. It was a two week <laughs> thing. And I took it right before I started my job and found it immensely helpful. You don't need to be the pro at this, but if you can feel very comfortable inside that spreadsheet and making basic assumptions, or at least the key assumptions um, in these unique businesses. And you got to be able to just do it from scratch. You can't use templates if you're going to be doing creative stuff like this because um, you'll need to figure out like what is the actual key driver of the value at expense in an assisted living place or a dog um, uh, in-person visit company or whatever it is. So that, that, those are, you know, so I, I, again, I think that will just take if like two weeks to study there 
might give you a, 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 a lot of value. Yeah. Yes, that sounds like something we need. <laughs> yeah, I'm I interested. Think that... I'm very interested. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think well, that'd any, be super helpful. Any other areas that you want us to dive into here? This is again unique, so we're we're, we're we haven't <laughs> had a chance to think through this, and I'm I'm very grateful for you guys for bringing this for to us because it's yeah. it's made us think in a new way, or at least me. <laughs> Yeah, if we do sell the 24 unit, we'll probably get around 70 to 75,000. So that's liquid. And we do want to invest in. Originally, we were going to do get a female fluffy Frenchie so we could just be set, you know, and just make the babies there that way. But then we decided that we wanted to do um, Airbnb <laughs> short term rentals. I, I'm just thinking real estate yeah. because to me, that's. I see that as the biggest wealth builder, um, depreciation, things like that, right off on taxes and being able just to travel. Cause I want to do a little bit distance between from wherever we get the property. Okay. It doesn't worry me though. But if you're doing Airbnb, if that is your plan to purchase a property and do an Airbnb, I would say listen to episode 364 of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, where we interviewed Avery Carl, who okay. does um, Airbnb. She has more like general information about the concept of Airbnb. Like she does it in uh, the Smoky Mountains area. And she said, going into a place where you have already existing Airbnb laws is the best place. Mm-hmm. If you're already gonna do it outside of where you live, do it where they've already discovered or uh, decided on the Airbnb laws and the short-term rental laws. And because um, then you don't have to worry about, oh, well, it penciled out as an Airbnb, but it doesn't really work as a long-term rental. And now my my city just changed all the laws. Um, so she's got a lot of great information on that episode. Yes, I, I just listened to that one recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, I, I good. Like okay. Airbnb. I like Airbnb as an asset class because there's a big shortage. You think that the 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 uh, travel is going to come roaring back with a lot of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's local and depends on a lot of those things. And I think it will be yet another one of these um, little little uh, areas that you guys are exploring with this and another another business line. So I would be yeah. cautious of just kind of like saying, how do I focus for some time on this and maybe replicate it a few times um, with it? But but yeah, like Air, like like I I think that's where your mod like a little bit of more modeling and thinking about everything and and a little bit more cold numbers. What is the ROI on this going to be? What's the upside? Am I being realistic? Does my model show that? Am I making the right trade offs with these types of things? So mm-hmm. you can a- a- allocate your cash as you come into it in these intervals into the highest and best use, um, rather than kind of whatever happens to show up when you have the cash available and the inclination with that. So I think that's the biggest thing is Airbnb might well be it. And I think Airbnb is a phenomenal, uh, is, is the move uh, across yeah. the country in many markets for, for ROI right now. And, and in the future, there's a lot of really good tailwinds behind it. But I just yeah. think that it comes back down to like, I have no idea. It's impossible to tell whether that's a better investment than what you've currently got here, unless we can get more detail into the numbers and the prospects of each of one of your individual investments mm-hmm. and area and whether there's capability to deploy more money there and that kind of stuff. The reason why too, I want to get into Airbnb is because I want to make it an experience as well. Uh, I was looking into Airbnb glamping, also yurts 
and uh, even uh, mini houses because people like those weird, crazy Airbnbs, you know, they, they want the full experience. So that's what I want to be able to do is get uh, either land or property, but also in the backyard have a, a yurt or uh, a mini house. <laughs> And then have a room where there's a flower wall with, you know, a big lighted backdrop that says dream big, you know, <laughs> people like stuff like that. They want, uh, when you look at Airbnbs, people want that Instagrammable type of house, you know, or your experience to be able to share, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I look. I think you guys are not short in ideas and all that kind of stuff. I think you guys have, and like, I think it's great. I think you've got all this. Um, there's so many good options here and you guys are just doing the right things fundamentally to generate liquidity to sustain this. But again, I think it comes just all, all back down to what does your model say? And, you know, maybe, maybe using that to drive a big part of the decision-making with a lot of these things, because they're all good ideas at, at some point though, you're missing opportunities and taking risk and diversifying unnecessarily with with the uh, the spread across across all of these things. So that would be the the the, the biggest <laughs> I think fundamental with a lot of this. I, I just had a question about uh, as far as like mortgages. Uh, our mortgage is at four point five percent, and at the time that was good. Uh, do you recommend like a cash out refinance? Uh, I could do the IRRL, which is a VA refinance just to lower the rate, any, what do you guys think? Should we try to get some of that capital in case we can use it, deploy it somewhere or? Um, I, I think, yeah, yeah. A, a refinance makes a lot of sense to me. Just either you're going to lower your payment or you're going to pull out cash and probably keep your payment pretty close. So the, the refinance makes a lot of sense to me at the strategic level with one of those options. Um, I would, I, I think, yeah, I, like I, if you have plans for it, maybe maybe consider pulling some cash out. I, that's what I did with, across my portfolios over the last year is, is pull out a bunch of cash with with a couple of those. What do you think, Mindy? Um, I would say if you have a place to put the money, then refinance, as long as it's going to make sense to... Um, to refinance. Uh, you don't want to go from 3.3 to 3.2 and spend a lot of money doing it. Um, and I don't I know. 4.5 to like 3.5 or something lower with that on their primary with this. No, their primary is 3.3. Uh, oh, 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 oh this 4. is on the rent. 4.5. Oh, it's 4.5. Oh, yeah, okay. 4. I have the wrong information here. 4.5. Oh, yeah. If it's a... You go ahead, Scott. Yes, we go. I think we started we started late, and that's how I lost track of this. Usually, we have yeah. plenty of time with this. I am so sorry, Goodbye, guys. Scott. I really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed meeting you. Um, I think one of your sons sent us a keychain. Is that yeah? Is yeah, that they right? they. I went to Thank their you. meetup. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's awesome. I'm so sorry. I have to run here. Um, no, it's all good. Shoot. We appreciate your guys' time. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't have to helpful. run. And we'd be happy to chat again sometime with this. But um, <laughs> yeah. thank you for coming on the show, listening, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. Okay. So with a 4.5% mortgage rate, yes, I would almost assuredly, you, you would almost assuredly be able to find a lower rate 
And I would refinance out of that. Of course, run the numbers and make sure that it's not going to cost you $10,000 to save $1.50 on your mortgage. But I think you're going to find some pretty great rates. Um, I have a lender who is an amazing VA lender, but I don't know if he does VA um, refis. So I am sending him a note right now asking him if he does. Okay. Do you know John Lalonde by any chance? No. And you said that's I-R-R-L? Yes. Or VA. Or they call it a streamline as well. VA streamline loan. VA streamline. I spelled that wrong. Because all that would do is that would just lower our interest rate. But I was wondering, should we try to take out like a HELOC or just have some funds available if we need it? Yeah. So the HELOC is going to have um, a variable rate. And if you could get a refinance that brings down your mortgage, your your mortgage rate that isn't going to cost a lot, I would go that route instead because that's fixed. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've got a 15 or 30 year, but I would go with a 30 year because that's a lower price point than uh, or a lower um, payment than the 15. And you could always increase your payment, your payoff time. But why would you refi into a 15 year again when you need that money to deploy someplace else? So um, yeah, I would definitely, uh, when I get, when I hear from him, I'll let you know, I'll send you an okay. email. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this is, there's a lot to think about here, but I also think that, I mean, you guys have the income covered. It's a great position to be in. I would personally like to see more traditional investing. You've got the creative investing down pat, but the more traditional investing is kind of like your, you know, your, your baseline, your safety zone. It's, it's not safe. Past performance is not indicative of future gains, but it, <laughs> you know it's kind of like the set it and forget it. I'll just keep putting money into the 401k and it'll just grow by itself or whatever it does. And then you can focus on these, these other things. It doesn't like take up any mental bandwidth to throw it in a 401k. Mm-hmm. Um, and regarding the 401k loan, if, if so did you take out a loan or did you cash it out? I cashed it out. And 21,000. Did you do this within the COVID window? Because you said you yes. paid, you took the 10% hit. Mm-hmm. You, it was supposed to be penalty free. It was you... actually supposed to be 20% penalty, but because it was during COVID, it was only 10%. A 20% penalty? Yeah. When you cash out. I thought it was a 10% penalty in addition to taxes. Um. But if you took it out, if you'd make the withdrawal because you suffered a COVID hardship, you shouldn't have to take, you shouldn't pay the penalty. And then you have three years to pay it back or pay taxes on it. So I would, do you have a CPA? Uh, We just found one. Okay. I would ask them about that in a specific detail because I don't think you were supposed to pay 10% as long as you have a COVID hardship and can prove the COVID hardship. um, I don't think you pay the 10% penalty and you have three years to pay it back or pay taxes on it. So you can do that over the course of three years. You can do it all in the third year um, or the first year, whatever. Uh, So yeah, definitely talk to your CPA about what is the best course of action and what are, what are your options there. Um, okay. But yeah, I think we've 
kind of covered a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to check back in with you in like six or 12 months and see where you have decided, you know, what financial modeling you've done and what you've decided on, you know, the different options that you have available to you, but you have a lot a lot of things to look into and and uh, lots of time to have these money dates and sit down and talk about, you know, each individual thing. And, and I'm excited for your prospects. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're so excited to be here. Uh, this is a privilege and an honor and we're so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you shared your story today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Boy, Scott, that was Gina and Scott, and they have a fun, fun story. What did you think of their investments? I I loved it. You know, um, I clearly I I do something different with my money, right? I invest in real estate stocks in a company called Bigger Pockets, um, and I have a pretty simple, you know, formulaic approach to that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I honestly, you know, when I hear stuff like this, I get excited and I wonder like, maybe they're going to do really, really well with this approach over, over the long run with this, if they can kind of keep taking shots like this on creative things opportunistically and develop a big skill set. You think it's going to be much riskier at first. And you're going to have some big losses, maybe a couple of big wins, but over the long run, you think this is a pretty interesting skill set that's giving you exposure to something that's a little different. And so it's impossible. I, I I have absolutely no framework to be able to tell what the return profile of the asset, the variety of asset classes that they <laughs> that they are participating in. I have no idea what the return profile is going to be over a long period of time with those types of things. I don't think I think it would be extremely difficult to calculate that. But I'm excited for them, interested, and I think that, like I mentioned in the show and in the intro, I think that if they learn how to model and more appropriately evaluate these assets from a financial perspective, it'll just guide their decision-making and give them that much better odds. Yeah. As I said at the very end of the show, I'm really excited to talk to them again in six or 12 months and see where they've gone, see where they've, you know, how did it go with the dog? And and did they, you know, did anything ever come out of the documentary and um, a lot of different things. So I'm super excited to talk to them. I can't wait to check in with them again. And I just put a note on my calendar so that I bring them back in, in about a year to catch up. Cause I think this is a fun, um, a fun way to think about investing. But I also want to remind our listeners that they are investing from a position of no debt and they aren't leveraging their investments. They are taking the $25,000 and putting all of that in there. They're not borrowing against that. So yeah, if they had credit card debt or they had student loan debt or other types of situations like that, I'm completely aligned with Mindy on that. This would be this would be irresponsible because you're putting money into assets that may never pay off or you'll have a completely unpredictable... Like when you invest in a documentary, God only knows when they're going to finish the documentary, even if they present you the schedule and if someone's going to buy it like Netflix, right? So like you just... It's, it's like, there's like a huge, you know, pray and wait component to that. doesn't mean it's a bad... Maybe you invest in a hundred of those and your ROI is 15, 20% across the hundred investments. It could be a great asset class. Can't say anything about that, but you can't, you can't do that when you have debt or cash flow problems in in that are fundamentally not being addressed in your personal financial position. They don't have that. In addition to that, they have almost guaranteed income uh, for at least five years and probably, unfortunately, probably for the rest of his life with his disability. So there's 
really specific levers that they have pulled that contributed to our conversation today. But yeah, I'm excited for them and I can't wait to catch up with them. Scott, this episode did run a little long. We should get out of here. Are you ready? Let's do it. From episode 222 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, catch you later, future dudes. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.